0: Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and
1: Jackson Lund. All right, restart. All right, restart, Garrick. <laughs> Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. That's me and Jackson right now. And uh, we're going to have the girls come on. Tamara Jewett and Leslie Smith are going to be on also to talk about some of the other topics of interest today. But for now, we got to talk to the man of the second, Jackson Ah,
0: Thank
2: you. you.
1: So we we had the honor to, to go to Daytona together. Leslie was with us.
0: You have a good speech about honor, don't you?
1: Yeah, I can't <laughs> do the... the to- it's a toast about honor. and uh, oh, okay, It only happens well, at your wedding. Okay, yeah. Um, That's true, dude. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think a lot of people got it, but uh, I know I did. <laughs> um, so, Clash Daytona takes place on the Daytona International Speedway and first and foremost that's a cool place secondly once you get our vlog
0: about it that nick
1: made yeah we got a vlog that's up on our youtube channel real tri squad you can just search and you'll find it you can see the airbnb we stayed in which was pretty sketch It had like a six out of ten stab rating i believe um but were you felt pretty safe in that neighborhood there bud
0: um Yeah, I I would say 6 out of 10 is accurate. Like, 5 out of 10 being average. No, probably 7 out of 10. But it wasn't like I'm in imminent danger. It was like, I'm glad that we're here with a couple of us in case someone tries to stab us and we can use our group
1: force to unstab ourselves. We didn't recommend Leslie running in the dark by herself. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, or any of it. I wasn't going to do it either. I was like, screw this. Yeah, so the The surrounding area of Daytona has some nice spots, but we were kind of got a nice, good, well-priced Airbnb in a decent location. Um, aside from that, we had four miles away from the track, easy access through Gate 40 into the mid in- infield, just like every other athlete who goes there. Uh, that place is suited for a stellar event. Um, what was our I don't know, standard diet? Like we didn't do anything different. A bunch of eggs, bread, chips. Chicken, pasta. Yeah,
0: chicken and rice was a big one, and eggs and bread. But yeah, just normal race prep, fun just hanging out. Me, Nick Leslie, and you know, oh, uh, doobie Mark Duber hung out a bit. We or Jackie Herring came over for a bit too, and that was fun. And uh, yeah, normal race prep, except for other than the fact that I was trying to like be totally ready to leave from the race so that I could make it to California. which honestly it wasn't that hard because I didn't pack super you know heavy I was pretty minimal on what I had so basically I just packed everything and put it in the van and as soon as the race was done I needed I knew I needed to leave so it was actually kind of like less stressful knowing that after the race I had already packed and you know I could just focus on the race so I think our prep all went fine and we were all feeling pretty good leading into it
1: yeah the the location put us pretty close to not have to stress. Like, we even dropped Leslie off race morning for her race, which started three hours before ours. And we were able to get back home and chill out. I think three and
0: a half in the end, didn't they? Or three and 315. Yeah, they ended up moving their yeah. race earlier. But so we actually, yeah, we went back and we watched like most of the race.
1: We watched till they were getting off the bike. Yeah, which was so fun. Like, the broadcast. So for me, it was interesting because I watched most of the women's race broadcast from uh, Rick Allen, uh, Belinda Granger, and... Brent McMahon. Brent McMahon, yeah. So three awesome announcers, um, Rick obviously being from NBC Sports, and Belinda and... um, I can't... Why do I keep forgetting Brent's name? Brent obviously knowing the sport so well. They did a great job. And then the next... Two days later on Sunday, watching your race, Jackson on Ironman streaming, um, it was just outside, outside plus on outside plus. It was such a different feeling, like that they were saying the names wrong all the time. Like you were Jason Laundry a few times. Like there yeah. was just they just. It's like they they know the sport enough, but they don't get to know the athletes really well or the backstories outside of like like you could tell it was also the sam long story like that's where everyone is right now just talking about sam his his trials and tribulations but you being right there in the screen like they couldn't deny it It was so epic dude but we'll get to that but um let's talk about clash daytona for you and i um we knew that the whole narrative there was long course versus short course because the distance was about 80k total yeah that mean it was a standard olympic swim 75
0: yeah. 75
1: <laughs> yeah shit so standard olympic distance swim and then it was the aussie exit so we could just really but it was hit. actually
0: probably about 1750 meters by the times because those dudes swim like 17 16 minutes for 1500 and then went 20 right over 20 yeah so it must have been Long. you know which didn't help us even though we swam pretty good
1: <laughs> i think we did like Our goal against those long course or those short course guys is to be like, well, if we can be within two minutes, like there's a chance. And that proved to be pretty true. Um, Yeah. Two minutes was basically where we were able to hold them. And yeah,
0: 220, I was 228 and you were probably 225. And uh, if it had been two minutes, you know, that was been a big difference. Um, So crazy. But And we swim, both of us swam well, like Nick. Nick's held really strong. We were kind of with that second group until the first turn. And then they just absolutely took off. And like, I don't think there's anything you could have done to stay with them on that day. Just how well they swam. Yeah. Um, and then Nick led and I was second in our group. We had about four of us and both of like Nick is faster than me, obviously. Um, and was, you know, holding a solid pace and I could tell the pace was pretty good staying on his feet. It wasn't easy. Like I was working pretty hard. And I felt good and I felt efficient and we were still that far behind. So, you know, that was stellar, but we just, uh, jumped on the bike and went to work. And, um, how did that, how did that start of the bike look, Nick, from your perspective, I was the first one to get on. So I couldn't see like how it played out behind me.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, I heard right when we got out the gap for, uh, to the, to the next group, it wasn't super high. I knew we had a decent chance. Everyone was still probably packed up. Um, It was you, me, Hanson, and Starkey who were pretty much together. Um, Elliot Bach, right? Oh, yeah, and Elliot. He was with us, too. So you got out right like right when I was pulling my bike off the rack. You went by me. So I got off right on your heels. Um, We rode the first few laps together, and I could tell automatically, like, you were on a tear for sure. Like, I was seeing 340s, and I was still riding okay, but you were putting seconds into me, like, every half lap. And so after a while, I was like, okay, this isn't gonna happen. So Jackson went ahead probably by lack five or six. He was out of my viewpoint. And then Starkey Andy had gone by, by Starkey went by like
0: me within the first lap halfway. Yeah, on the on the halfway through the first lap, he went by me. He was going for that first lap cream, which he did he, he didn't get that. Get. No, he missed it by a half a second.
1: You know what Another he did wrong? And this is so Starkey. So on that back stretch. Yeah, he headwind. went way up
0: high on the track. Yeah,
1: he went right next to the wall on the right side to try to he just avoid rode the further, wind. and he had to ride
0: up a hill and then okay. back down. That's never going to be faster. So
1: that's pure Starkeyism right there. So that's. I what think he,
0: he wanted to use the coming back down the hill as momentum to drop us though.
1: And he thought that being next to the wall, he was probably getting a little bit of reprieve from that headwind, but it was a little bit too much from the east for him to get that benefit. Yeah but yeah, it didn't work out unfortunately. Cause he's certainly fought for it. Um, so then Hanson went by me a couple laps later and he was going really well. Um, and then Elliot hung with me for like four laps, maybe six laps. And then he trailed off once we started catching more people. Um, uh, but you, man, I was so impressed you guys just held that power. You're, you're biking on the caliber of Sam long now, obviously, I mean, it's unreal to see like within the course of four months, like what you've been able to do in terms of power gains on the bike. It's unreal since worlds, like worlds, you had that breakout power. That was when we, I knew it was there, but to be yeah. able to do it two days after with Sam on a flat course, where I mean, you still got 12 meters. So thank goodness for that. But you were even putting your nose in the wind quite a bit. So just unreal that your bike power is where it is right now.
0: And- yeah. I think, I think the thing that really has come around is just these two races this weekend, like pushing big power on a flat course. I've never, ever done that in my whole career. I've always struggled on a flat course. Probably my best ever was like three three Oh five, um, for power, just because my back just gets to a point where it starts becoming debilitating my whole left side on my glutes and everything just starts shutting down and I changed my saddle position a little bit, tilted it forward and it really alleviated a lot of that back stress and it just makes me able to actually push the whole ride. And it was just unreal to actually see that one change make a huge difference and just been working on my prehab and my hip um, alignment a lot better, a lot more and more consistently. And that's helped as well. So yeah, that's a big thing. My best rides ever, even like earlier this year, like Oceanside and last year at Worlds were close, like pretty close to what I've been doing lately, like within a few watts. But getting that consistency these last several races has been huge for my confidence that I think I can ride with anyone now. I really do think that. And what did you, you do
1: know, at um, Indian or La Quinta?
0: I did the average in the end was 325.
1: that's great man that's super stellar did you put on more mass at all or did you bulk up or anything like that to get more power in your body or
0: i've definitely gained weight over the years um but i weigh the same this year as i have i did last year like i've kind of plateaued around you know hovering anywhere between like 152 to 156 depending time of year and stuff but um no that's that's just yeah that's where i've been at and I think also I've been strength training consistently for three years now and i just feel stronger. Like my strength training, I am lifting more and more. It's gradually still creeping up. Like the weights I'm lifting not that I push like super crazy hard on that or anything, but it's clear that I'm still getting stronger. So I do think that helps as well. Yeah. But back to Miami. So bye. Bike. Bike
1: <laughs> Kona. <laughs> not
0: bike drill hard. Now. Can you hear that dog barking?
1: Yeah. Go, go out there and handle it.
0: <laughs> They'll friggin' handle it. Anyways, biked real hard. And, you know, honestly wasn't catching any guys like Starkey kind of got ahead of me, but I could see him pulling away only like super slowly. So I knew I was riding well and then caught some guys like spread out here and there on the first half, but really I didn't start catching a lot of guys till like the last three laps. I think I passed like eight guys in the last three laps. Yeah. Um, a lot of the ITU guys were starting to struggle. But even a lot of guys who weren't struggling, I just eventually wasn't able to catch them like Matt Sharp and uh, Jason West and um, Yao, Yao Pereira, who ended up second, um, and a bunch of those other dudes.
1: So that was, that was good. Um, hey, Pereira's run was so insane. like I think 5.06 yeah. per mile average or something like that. Yeah, that was
0: nuts. Uh, <laughs> so anyways – Got on to, so we started the bike in like 17, 18 range and I got off the bike in sixth. Um, So that was great. And I was also running pretty good, but there's so many fast runners around, man. It was nuts. Um, You know, past, past Schumann and obviously Starkey pretty quickly. And then ran, Matt Sharp caught me. Hanson went by. Actually, first it was Jason West and Yao Pereira who went by. And then Hanson went by and I was running with Matt. And then, you know, we were pushing each other for two laps and we were running in six, seventh. Um, and then at the end of the second lap out of three, I just got this really terrible like pain in my right abdomen, like a stitch, but it almost felt like a torn muscle. Um, And it just hit me real hard. And I, I just almost slowed right down for like, I literally almost did stop for a tiny bit, but for about two or three minutes I was going super slow and I I was able to kind of change my posture and relieve the strain off of it and get going again. But by that point, I was like 30, 40 seconds behind Matt um, and, and Jonas Schomburg and I, and actually had fallen back into ninth, but then I got my legs back and then I made my way back into eight and, you know, was happy to finish eight. Um, but even still, I might've been eighth anyways, because Matt Sharp and Jonas Schomburg, pushed each other real hard and I would have been with them and, and, you know, they might've both out sprinted me. So in the end, who knows, maybe it saved my legs a little bit to not be in that battle to the finish. Yeah. Um, And uh, I was stoked to just sneak into that last prize money spot.
1: Yeah, dude. Great day overall for sure. Especially focusing on how the hell do you get that out of there really immediately, which you had the mechanic who was obviously a friend after that scenario. Uh, your bike in the bag so you just kind of had to tidy it up pack your things and get out by 4 30 which you did right on time even if you had made podium you could have probably been within three to four minutes of that so yeah
0: yeah for sure um so that was totally doable and i i wasn't too stressed once right after the race by the way our coach james was there which was cool because yeah he doesn't get a chance to come to too many of the pro races so he was stoked to be there watching. And he was like, Oh, let's check your flight. And lo and behold, it was delayed 25 minutes. So perfect. So that relieved a little bit of the time stress. And by the way, you had a pretty solid run yourself. So you got off the bike. It looks like you lost about three minutes to me. Um, and you're probably in what place were you in off the bike? Like
1: 12th to 14th kind of range. I think I was in 16th because still Hanson and starkey went by me so it put me back but anyways i've moved up i think to 13th by the end of it all so i still ran didn't get past and ran strong enough to run a couple guys down i caught schumann at the right before the shoot so i you know if i had a little bit better bike legs i probably could have probably getting gotten close to 10th or something but honestly like i couldn't have asked for a better day having only like one month to focus on pure folk for this race so i was stoked i rode a high highest hour power for like 323 and um ran you know strong didn't blow up didn't feel like shit swam well it was a, it was a success for me too
0: yeah i agree i think you know the other thing i think it was worth mentioning is like the level like the average level even just yeah even just the average level of that race was just high like it was probably as good of an average level as a world championship for 70.3 i would
1: say just well, given given the caliber of itu athlete like those are the best six itu athletes pretty much in the world yeah it was
0: unreal like guys who've been to the olympics many times olympic medalists world champions and you know those guys can ride now like the the draft legal athletes are figuring out hey, there's a lot of money in this, and let's try to freaking get good at time trial biking, and they're getting freaking good at it. Like I had an unreal ride, I was like 330 something watts, and it took me the whole bike to catch most of those guys, and some of them I didn't even catch. And you know, it was <laughs> it's not like these guys come in and they suck at biking anymore. Like that used to kind of be sometimes how it was. Not anymore. Now they can ride, and obviously. Sometimes they pull off an amazing run. Yao Pereira ran insanely fast. And then, you know, you got guys like Jason West who are super good at this type of distance. And yeah, it was just a crazy competitive race. And it was literally I had a good day and I was eighth. Like that's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. And then to think that you went to Indian Wells, um, caught a flight, did everything right, fueled up, probably rested as much as you could. How was that Saturday in between? Like what was what was your feelings and thoughts and what was the outlook I mean the outlook for Sunday
0: yeah so I I obviously rushed back to the airport I ate like I ate like three full meals between the end of the class race and when I got to the Airbnb and in Indian Wells um, and a bunch of snacks like I estimate that I ate about 4,000 calories just from the end of that race to when I went to bed didn't get a lot of sleep that night probably about four hours um tough But then on the Saturday, it was pretty chill. Like, I didn't put any pressure on myself to like, oh, I got to do this training or that. Like, I just decided I'll wake up and do what I feel like doing to move a little bit. And, you know, I got up, did a little swim, did a tiny bike, like 10 minutes, but my legs were really sore. So I was like, yeah, this is enough biking. I don't need to do any more than this. And, uh, you know, it was a two-transition race, so we had to drive our stuff and do a bunch of stuff like that. Kind of whatever, but I did get a nap, a pretty solid, you know, nap where I actually slept. Um, and then I was super tired and I like probably fell asleep by like eight o'clock the night before the race. Um and I basically almost slept straight through the night till four. So I really I slept almost eight hours um the night before the race, which is like unheard of for me. Um, but I think the biggest key thing I did was just replenishing a ton of carbs and protein and just recovering the best I could there um so my legs were really freaking sore race morning like that race in Daytona really did make my legs sore but it apparently didn't really slow me down much
1: (laughs) I couldn't believe it like I I was sore as shit the day after that race like had two tennis balls on my glute medius both sides and then just like a lot of soreness in the quads. Like I was thinking to myself, man, how is he going to get away from it? But I suppose once you're moving for, I mean, your body's going to flush all that out pretty quick, given the athletic nature of what we do. So it's not so much a lot of inflammation was created because you didn't quite have enough. Like you didn't have 72 hours for your body to totally start repairing. It was almost like it started to think about repairing. And then it was like, Oh, we got to, vasodilate again and do all this shit so it probably you probably didn't have as much damage as you really even knew because your body just hadn't processed it yet
0: yeah i mean i don't i have no idea on the science behind it but obviously sore muscles don't necessarily slow you down um i think energy levels in that are the most important thing and i was healthy i tapered really hard these races my body was rested that was hugely important um and then yeah i mean the swim like it was freezing water which maybe didn't help with me loosening up and i could even feel my legs sore during the swim but um i kind of just got through the swim like okay this is the group i'm in i'm gonna try to minimize effort and um it didn't feel overly good but we were in the chase group and you know, pretty tough for me to make a lead group anyways. So that was fine. Um, and then the water is 57 degrees. So that gave people problems like Lionel had a short term panic attack and a lot of other guys were saying they had issues with it, but it was fine. I liked the cold. I mean, my hands and feet were cold when we got out. I had the best transition one of anyone got on my bike first and out of our group and just jumped on and had a hard time getting my bike shoes on because, my feet were frozen i couldn't literally feel them so i was like i was like missing the 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 shoe completely with my foot and i had to really slow down and get that but by the time i had done that because i had gotten on ahead of sam he had an amazing swim swim with me yeah and then he caught me and i was like all right this is it i'm going with sam and my legs were freaking sore but i was like this is my chance for a good race i just need to stay with sam doesn't matter if i totally blow up at some point that's still going to be my best strategy because i have a much better chance of biking well than i do of running well um so i gotta get some time here and then it was an onslaught like we were chasing that lead group and we could see them coming back super quick they had like a minute 40 on us to start this probably about a minute 40 to start the bike and we could see them coming back we passed some of the stragglers pretty quickly and then caught that lead group and like less than 20k um and then it took about 15 20k of hard riding with a lot of surges i put the first big attack in got some separation and then sam kind of closed it and brought them back and then sam went to the front he attacked two or three times and then finally they were they were gone um and then we just kind of went back and forth just pushing real hard and like my I remember looking at my computer i actually had a higher average power for my um first 60k than what i did at daytona whoa so i was well over 330 still until like almost like 80k and then we finally started to ease off a bit but there's a race there's actually a racetrack section of indian wells too i saw that It
1: looked awesome
0: it was so much fun and it's like technical super smooth and we just Sam led that whole section. There wasn't really an opportunity to pass there with like no straightaways almost. Um, and we and I was just he's t- he's a pretty good technical rider, and I was just like following his lines. And we were rolling, and there's a lot of U turns in there. And we could see like, geez, we're putting time in. Like this is we saw that Lino was like four minutes back there, and then we're just like stoked. We're like, like at one point Sam, when he was taking back over or I was passing him, I can't remember. He was like. We got this race by the balls, man. Yes. (laughs) I was like, fucking right. So anyway, we just pushed. We both struggled a little bit in the last 10, 15 K, but we still held a pretty strong came in. And I was just like, all right, if I can put some kind of a run together here, we'll see. But I was super surprised when I started running that I actually felt okay. Especially the first two, three miles, my legs felt pretty good. And uh, I was like, holy shit. Like, I'm just going to see if I can maybe stay with Sam for a while here but once we got into the rolling section on the the golf course that kind of took a toll the pounding on those downhills and all the turns where you have to really contract and just stabilize was was tough um and that's where Sam honestly it became hard to keep up there and i think the flatter sections like the, the open road sections didn't feel hard to keep up so you know obviously he's a great runner on that type of terrain and and that kind of uh put me on the back foot but I quickly went into like, you know, damage control mode, where my quads started to really, you know, bother me towards the end of the first loop. And I was like, all right, I just got to keep it together here because these boys are coming from behind Bart Arnault, Lionel Sanders working together. And <clears throat> I knew if I could just keep it solid, I'd be fine, but I really did have to work hard to keep it together because, you know, as soon as I would lose focus for a couple seconds, I would just really slow down. So it took a lot of mental strength to, to push through that because, um, you know, a lot of racing and, and when you're not feeling like I could tell I was moving. Okay. But I just felt like I wasn't really efficient because my legs were like stiff. Yeah. Um, so I was, it was more like muscling it. It wasn't really like a pretty run by any means, but got the job done and, uh, Sam, you know, well-deserved win there. And I was stoked to keep it to within like, less than 50 seconds yeah uh, hold on per second there so yeah that was we, saw, we saw Lionel
1: and Bart coming up and I was like good thing that Bart always is a little off the back foot on the swim and then man Lionel having that breathing issue that really put you and Sam in a in a dominant position
0: yeah definitely I mean we took over the lead pretty early and um it was it was neat I mean it was kind of opposite of Daytona right like
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> it was, uh, you definitely not it. the same level on the swim and, and, uh, different race, completely longer race and everything. But Matt McElroy also was in my mind. Like we got to put time into this guy. Cause you know, obviously yeah. he needs to gain experience at the half distance, but he legitimately has potential to run probably one Oh six. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously not yet, but when he, when he figures out the half distance in terms of just experience and pacing and everything, he's going to be, real scary out there. Um, so yeah, great day, man. It was unreal.
1: Yeah. I think everyone, everyone is so stoked that you were able to do it. Um, I know you got stuff to go do, so we'll, we'll get out of your hair, but we've got Leslie and Tamara coming on. Um, Jackson, of course, you're going to be in off season mode, which means two weeks of whatever you want, hanging out, doing nothing, putting on some weight, and then we'll probably do some more, fun podcasts um and more team stuff so anyways oh, yeah. we're proud of you RTS
0: guys. to the moon baby <laughs>
1: hey man well thanks for coming on and chatting about your races and obviously um a lot more to come dude for sure yeah
0: for sure thanks for jumping on early with me appreciate that yeah didn't buddy. want to have too many beers in me before i uh got into the old podcast here but yeah, and thanks yeah. all the freaking listeners for the support we don't say it enough but you know we love yeah. you guys and we barely promote this shit at all and we hardly do any planning and we just freaking talk and you guys still seem to enjoy it so that's pretty cool
1: well when you got good results and good people it's tough to not listen
0: it's true and when you just say dumb shit people are just gonna be like man i can't believe they said that i can't i don't know what they're gonna say next gonna be
1: awesome wait until you see the youtube video we just put out it was a lot of dumb shit there (laughs) all right cool man thanks
0: buddy peace all right
1: welcome back we've Got now the lovely ladies of the Real Triathlon Squad. We have Leslie Smith and Tamara Jewett. So, of course, a lot to talk about. We had Jackson on just now about his back-to-back. I think that that probably went a little understated in terms of broadcast that I saw on La Quinta. It was, they, they mentioned it, but it just didn't seem like everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's a big deal. He's probably just going to be tired. Um, but. huh Were you two also very surprised with what Jackson was able to do on Sunday?
2: I I definitely, well, I was, but I wasn't. Um, I thought maybe one of the two races would go, I don't know. I I shouldn't even say that because I have all the confidence in him. I just don't, I can't really think of someone who's done two races like that within three days. And while Clash was shorter than a 70.3, it's not like it was like a sprint triathlon. So I'm actually super impressed and I knew he would still do well I guess not maybe quite that well, well um, if but you think about it too, good.
1: like the course or not the course but the field at Clash was as strong as any 70.3 worlds field relatively speaking right. considering those are the top ITU athletes in the entire world from men and women there was just a lot of different types of depth um, so that yep. was why it was like Well, Jackson still had a great day there, but the competition level there for that distance was much different.
3: Yes, I I thought it was a a crazy idea, but I still thought that he was potentially a podium contender at Indian Wells, but I think slightly more of a long shot than the way it turned out. I really wanted four Canadians on the podium, and I think I thought Jackson was sort of the long shot for that, and Lionel was a little bit more certain, and it, it kind of turned out the other way. But I just thought particularly because the races were on opposite sides of the continent, it seemed particularly wild traveling from Daytona to uh, California.
1: Yeah. Unreal. But the good news is like you get to go back in time three hours. So, yeah. So the flight time, you really you're not penalized. It's like a four hour flight with the drive. So you lose an hour kind of And That was the best thing he had going for him, too.
2: Um, Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the other thing that I should say about the situation is it's not even about him being able to do those two races in those in three days. It's the travel. And I know I don't know about you guys, but travel takes a lot out of me. Um, even if it's like not across a lot of time zones,
3: just in general, it's tiring. So I'm really impressed. (laughs) Yeah, we were we were kind of joking afterwards that he can't put a week between races if he's gonna do them back to back. It has to be forty eight (laughs) hours. Yeah. Yeah. Good point seemed like it went better than, than yeah. sort of the week turnaround.
1: <laughs> um, Leslie, so you had the women's field to contend with at Clash Daytona. Um, obviously, we, we were all together, Stan, you, me, and Jackson, in our YouTube video shows a lot of the fun and dynamic we had there. Yeah. But did you have anything noteworthy, anything that was going on in your head about that race um, that you'd like to discuss?
2: You know, one thing I think I... You know, didn't know how that distance would suit me with the competition. And honestly, I didn't pay a ton of attention to the start list before the race, just because I knew I wanted after DNFing because of the cold at 70.3 worlds, I knew I wanted to do one more race and it was kind of attractive that it was a little shorter. I had been to Daytona before pretty turnkey. So I didn't look or I didn't spend a lot of time looking at the start list. Um, In hindsight, maybe I, I should have paid attention to that a little bit more but, you know, not like it matters, you know, a big t- takeaway from me from that race is that it was interesting competing against the short course slash ITU athletes. And, you know, where I lost more than half my time to first place was simply on a 1600 meter swim, uh, which was still the sh- the shortest part of the race. So I think that says a lot. Um, I mean, I think, I think people know that, that short course athletes are typically because in an olympic distance the swim is such a big proportion of the entire race it requires being a stronger swimmer and you know i would never claim to be a super swimmer by any stretch but you know good enough uh, usually um but in this case uh being four like four to four and a half minutes back kind of blew it you know my goal was to be top 5 and it kind of blew that chance but i was really happy with how i stacked up on the bike and the run and it was it's a really good way to go into next season versus ending with a DNF because of feeling like I was going hypothermic yeah. um, in St. George. So totally. that, that's my positive takeaway from it.
1: Totally understandable. Did you vary any of your, tr- your swim training in preparation for this or was it much of the same?
2: You know, not really much the same. And honestly, just, and, you know, everyone knows kind of, you, you probably both agree how the end of the season goes, or you're kind of just holding on. Um, And I don't mean that like in a, some dramatic way, but you're just kind of, all right, last chunk of training. There's nothing much more I'm going to do in a month. Anyways. I was just trying to get in like at least 18 K of swimming a week, which is kind of my standard, Um, you know, ideal maybe would be 20, but you know, th- there was nothing um, I was probably really going to do in that time frame, And I think what this race showed me and in general this year is, um, you know, I think the swimming, I feel like I progressed a lot because I had a lot of room for improvement my first handful of years. And now it's just something where if I want to get better, the way that racing is these days in every distance um, it- it's just something you have to stay on top of because there's no room for error. And I, I, as a adult onset swimmer, I just need to be the best I can be realistically and, and keep an edge in my mind about, you know, focusing and working on that and not getting complacent.
1: I just listened to a podcast on the bike ride yesterday and it was with the might've been the Dutch Olympic swim coach for open water. Oh, interesting. And He has worked with some triathletes, but mainly it was for open water swimmers. They will swim, and about 80% of this is in the pool, um, 85 kilometers per week up to, if there's, like, there's a dude who did a 25K competition, he was doing 120 Ks per
3: I, I can't I have even... to say, like Other obviously I'm not <laughs> uh, you know a swim authority, but I think it's such a trap to fall into to look at that and think that like that's what you have to do to swim fast. Um particularly if you're doing like open water swimming, that's your main sport and you're not doing like the run and bike training. So all of your fitness is coming from swimming. But I just think it's so dependent on a particular athlete, just thinking like more swim mileage is going to make the swim better. I, I I just don't agree.
1: Well, I'm not saying that we have to do that, Tamara. No. I'm just saying, specifically, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. their only sport. They're doing five yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, ks We're doing an additional, you know, seven to 15 hours on the bike plus another five to seven hours on the run. So our cardio is going to be a little bit different and that's all they have. So and, wasn't yeah. suggesting we need to do that. I was just pointing it out that, wow, pretty intense. I couldn't imagine my shoulders holding up for
2: just right. Yeah. 85
1: mean, K weeks.
3: Just to fathom that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, um, that's fair. But I, I just think so often like people look at things like that and then they're like, oh, okay, more, 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 more. And Le- Leslie and I both need to improve, but I don't think that's how we're going to do it. Les- Leslie, <laughs> I think yeah, you guys
1: I- can improve if you just went to a 25k and you did a lot more at your kind of aerobic, like long 1k sets, just swimming super slow and easy to where you're really steady. developing that aspect of it. Because the high end, you can train a lot differently. But I really think most of us, me included, if I'm going to stay relevant in the swim pack, I need a lot more low, slow volume. It's like the same kind of strategy you do for your long runs, right? Long, slow distance running. A lot of marathoners who are Olympic level, they'll do that too. But in the pool, to develop the same metabolic functions and have the same muscle responses, you've got to be able to have that big diesel for the majority. So you've got to do a lot more of that. I mean,
3: I think there's a time of year for it. I I think it has to change over the course of the year. And there's a time for sharpening and a time for a bit more of that muscular endurance building.
2: Yeah. And has also,
3: um,
2: I think that for me and I don't know about, but I've noticed, and I could just be creating this, so we'll see, but it has to do with mobility as well. Um, like flexibility and mobility swimming. Yeah. I f- have felt just a little bit stiff lately. And I, I have kind of skimped maybe on some like shoulder things I was doing earlier. And I'm not, I'm not going to try to pick it apart and say, Oh my gosh, big deal. It's going downhill. But I do think that, strength and mobility have a huge part in swimming as well um which is something that you know you gain in the water but you can also gain not you know in the gym that's another point
1: another point that coach made was last bit of advice he gave because it was a triathlete centric podcast what advice do you give triathletes and it was spend more time working on your efficiency so making sure your drills are shoring up and helping your form not waste energy and then also. Spend more time on your shoulder mobility and your, your general flexibility, because if you can't, you know, do a straight streamline over your head, if there's like a big gap between your biceps and your ears, you're not going to be able to reach and grab as much muscular, you know, activation as, as someone who can. So that, those are really good points. Yeah, anyway.
3: yeah. Emma Pollan actually had some posts about mobility and her swim focus right before worlds uh, as well. Oh, yeah. really? Huge. Yeah. yeah.
2: It, it's a big part of it. And I think it's just hard because we're used to being like, all right, I got to go out and do a hour run, right? And you put your stuff on, start your watch, you go do it and it's done. Whereas like stuff like mobility, not just the swimming, but in general, it's more, you have to think of it similar and be like, this is just something I have to take time to do. It doesn't feel like it's doing anything in the moment, but if you do it consistently over time, um it, it will have an effect and i'm telling myself that right now as and I'm you saying.
1: feel better even if you're tired and it's like five in the evening and you've only got 15 to 20 minutes of mobility work that you have to do it feels so good once you're like halfway through it but getting started is definitely tough
2: yep yeah it's a good point it's the getting um, started with so many things in life just you just gotta get started um back to
1: the race so Leslie, you came out with Rach McBride, I believe. Yeah. And I, we, Jackson and I were watching the race during this part. And we were soaked. We we're like, okay, she's got Rach. And then we knew that if you could stay within a close contention to her, you two could work you know, your way back into some minutes to get closer to that first uh, you know, top 10. So that's really what we were banking on. How, w- how was the bike feeling?
2: So I, I stayed you know, I kept her, um, you know, in within eyesight for probably about a third of it, maybe a little bit less. And she was putting out the power, you know, extra big, she's an amazing cyclist. So I was kind of looking at, um, just how Rach was pulling ahead of me and I was looking at my power and it just seemed a little bit you know, I didn't want to overdo it. Um, I wanted to pace it smart. And I kind of figured out that most of the women were, you know, I, I don't know. I I didn't see a lot of people. I ended up passing a handful of people. Um, and really it looked like most people were riding pretty alone. I mean, maybe there were a couple of group groups, you know, legal drafting were, groups. I didn't see many group, groups until the end. Like Yeah, most of was... women were it was a solo effort and it was kind of windy. And I just handled it and felt so much better than. Last year and the year before, so I was pretty stoked with that. Um, and then, you, you know, so well. I, I I didn't see Rach the whole time, but for part of it, and I have swam with her probably like four times this year. So I, I was like, when I saw her at the after dinner thing, I was like, ah, oh, swim buddy, <laughs> because somehow we end up yeah, together. It, a it sounds a little like Dallas, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. No, ex- exactly. So it's, it was nothing new. New, no new news there, and um, I think that. Yeah. It it just kind of, I ended up on my own. A lot of people did. And then I got off the bike and after my, you know, I hadn't really had a solid run since like May, just because of like weather or having a shutdown. And so my, my legs felt pretty good. It was pretty hot. Um, but that's fine. It wasn't anything extreme. And I just tried to run hard and, I think I ended up having like the fifth fastest run and there wasn't a big gap in the run times so again just for me and my personal confidence going into the off season and then into next year it was a good way to to end the season.
1: Yeah, feels good to go off at least on your own terms rather than having some weather crush you.
2: Yes, exactly. I was, I'm over the weather crushing me thing and that, <laughs> yeah. um, had a lot of that this year. And that, I mean, that's the sport and we all deal with it. A lot of stuff can happen with equipment and conditions in your body. I mean, there's just, this sport has so many variables, you know, swimming, biking and running separately all have their own variables and now let's put them all together plus traveling plus everything. And that's kind of the it's part of the game. So wow. I was just stoked. It worked out generally and I felt good.
1: And perfect segue into Tamara's situation, since during our preparation, Tamara had traveled to Indian Wells um, and La Quinta to kind of get herself ready for a great race on that Sunday. And Tamara, just what did you arrive to when you opened your bike case?
3: Yeah, I pulled out my disc wheel to see that it had quite a big, like it's soft siding, so quite a big tear in it, but it looked like something really like the corner of something really hard had fallen into it and it was basically shredded
1: it looked like Um, someone karate kicked it
3: (laughs) it was pretty. bad i'm really lucky that the frame wasn't damaged or like nothing else seemed to be damaged so thank goodness but it's obviously never a good feeling when you pull something out of your bike bag and it's destroyed
1: (laughs) yeah when there's pieces and it's rattling you're like probably gonna have some work ahead of me here
3: yeah yeah so uh yeah, so that was interesting. Luckily, uh, Nicole, who makes those sore wheels is, uh, she's based in Toronto as well. And she's just amazingly supportive. And, uh, I started problem solving on my end. Uh, one of my solutions being to fix this whole thing with electrical tape, which, which actually worked surprisingly well. And, yeah. uh, Nick dropped everything on her Wednesday to make a new wheel. She and her dad like tag teamed it around her coaching schedule to get it to a depot to ship in time that it was supposed to get there on Friday. Um, and then we had just a whole saga tracking it down. It got to LA really quickly, and then it got stuck in LA for a long time. And eventually, we met like a courier driver at a random gas station. But we got this wheel, <laughs> so
2: that, that so I had a new one for the epic.
3: race. Yeah, <laughs> why I was stress why- for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> why DHL, why not FedEx? FedEx would have been I think a better option.
3: Yeah, I I don't know. That was I think Nick had had other better experiences maybe. That that was sort of her call on on her end and Yeah. DHL for me is always not... been
1: like it says it arrived 3 weeks ago, but I I don't have it yet.
3: Yeah, well and they they were so, like they said that um cuz like the the race was on Sunday, but the rush to get it on Friday like partly just to have it to set up but also then DHL was saying well we don't deliver on the weekend so if it doesn't arrive on Friday we can't get it to you till Monday of course we are happy to just ship it back to Canada for you no problem like great thank you um, but FedEx there were like FedEx trucks out around the neighborhood on the weekend so i was like hmm, is, why is DHL not delivering on weekends
1: they don't have DHL trucks There's just like some independent courier who's like yeah well, I guess I'll deliver some shit today um, right, for 30 bucks but anyways but
3: yeah no in the end they were very unhelpful on the phone luckily when we went in person we ran into like a couple pretty diligent like like helpful rather than officious employees and and we got to the bottom of it so, so the yeah. the individuals at least were helpful so
1: very end. stressful but You did seem to manage that stress very well. You were logic-based and you put the emotion a little bit aside probably after a while. And you did have a solution, even if the disc wheel, the new disc wheel had not arrived with your electrical tape, um, I guess, fairing.
3: I know the electrical tape sounds ridiculous. I was actually consulting with like a a couple of people I trust though, about how robust do we think this is and aerodynamic. And it was actually... I was most worried about dew in condition and like leaving the bike in transition overnight, interfering mm-hmm. with the adhesive, but. Uh, I think
1: electrical tape is a new duct tape. It's so good.
3: Yeah. It, yeah. No, it, it looks, it looked pretty decent. Yeah. And it was, it sticks. I know that stuff sticks to that surface. Well, I've done like some very, very minor repairs on, on like tiny damage before not yeah. from travel, but. was that but the,
1: I, Was that the one that had the soft wheel cover or was that the hard wheel cover?
3: It's a it's a soft wheel cover the material over the wheel like Nick's doing a lot of research on aerodynamics of um, like wheel sides that like bend more in the wind and and stuff like that and, and finding some really positive results with that. So this is still sort of a prototype and she actually uses like material that you use on model airplanes. Um, which I made the connection when I, I found out her dad is a model airplane enthusiast who actually like oh. teaches model airplane flying at a place where I do a lot of my riding. So dropping a wheel off, I was like, aha, I understand what this material
1: is now. Yeah. And,
3: and so she puts that basically over an Elevo wheel. Uh, so it's an Elevo race wheel with this cover over it.
1: Yeah. I, I've seen Taylor reads last year in Daytona. So mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine having electrical tape that and feeling like the tension was right, but that good done a good job. Well done. And obviously super impressed. You were able to hold together. Um, and then going into that event, that was for sure part of your race plan. You knew you wanted to get an early season, 70.3 world slot, um, and like run us through your, your race plan and, and how it turned out versus your plan.
3: Yeah, I think I think it kind of went to plan in a really nice way. I felt really positive about this race. Probably the best headspace I've been in, like consistently for the full race all season, which felt really good as a note to end it on. Um, I think one of our biggest things was wanting to start to try to push the bike a little bit more. And last year, this race, I was second as well uh, to Danielle last year. Um, and she just really seriously outbiked me and and I made up a big gap on the run, but she was like nine minutes ahead off of the bike. So um So I wanted to try to, to cut that down. And, and, you know, it was a little tough to stay close to Paula, obviously, but I I came off the bike like a minute back from, from Danielle. And I just felt like I had a really good rally. She passed me later in the race than last year. And when she did pass me, I was suddenly able to do like 20 Watts more. And I I, I was very pleased with that. That was kind of the goal to see if we could push that and not worry too much about what would happen with the running legs three minutes
1: off of Paula as well.
3: Uh, I was. Uh, But well, including the swim, like by the time I got off the bike, I think I was 646. Oh yeah. Sorry. So
1: you brought three minutes in on the first half of the marathon. And then you, I remember having three to go. So, and that was like, the announcers were actually calculating that too. Like she took three minutes out. She came off six minutes. She could be on her heels. We'll see. So you, you definitely delivered. It was, it was fantastic to watch you run in your element with, you had tons of camera time um it it just looked like you were on a mission and how was the grass fumbling with you were the hills the sand how was the terrain
3: uh no the terrain is tough on that course but I felt just so much stronger than than last year so last year I ran 76 something feeling like strong but pretty tired at this point in the season and just not in a great headspace on the run and uh I guess I'd been asked before the race are you going to try to be faster and and I said sort of like for sure but like any 75 something would be a good time like just breaking that because it is a bit of a tough course so I was pleased uh um yeah I was pleased that I was able to take so much time off the run from last year and and it just I kind of enjoyed it like the golf course is, is slightly tough running but it's really beautiful in there there's a lot of variety it's sort of rimmed by mountains so if you look up for a moment you have a nice view and uh um. yeah, I just wanted to finish the race feeling like I had really given it a serious, serious effort. And, and I did. So that felt really good.
1: Were you getting accurate splits on how far Paula was ahead?
3: Yeah, I think pretty accurate. Um, Mostly some intel from my parents, but uh, I knew that I was solidly gaining. I was expecting that she would be able to you know, pick it up at the end as she did as sort of the finish came in and obviously she was getting intel too, but, um, yeah, it was like a good, honest effort and, uh, sort of easy to be like, oh, damn it. If only I had dug in a little bit more, but it's just, I don't know. It's so easy to say that after racing rather than when you're in the midst of it.
1: <laughs> well, it's nice to know as well, every female athlete who comes out ahead of you on, on the course is like riding and running wondering when you're going to go by them or if they're going to see you like that has to give you like a little bit of chip on your shoulder like yeah you may you may give me by a little bit and I know you you're looking and working hard to to change it to where you're you're minimizing that loss however it still has to be you know I think it's probably the fastest 70.3 run split in you know for by a female athlete has to be
3: yeah other than my run at Augusta last year but yeah um... Uh, yeah, I, uh, I was really, yes, I think to me that is nice to like, feel like there's always possibility at the end of the race and I'm not, um, needing to like create a gap or something like that to know that I can still keep improving what's happening. Um, I'm really working hard though, for the day when I'm sort of recognized as like an all around triathlete instead of like a a runner. So, so the swim and bike improvements are really important to me.
1: Yeah. I think you and anyhow have a lot in common when it comes to the run uh, prowess and I'm sure you will come together in a race and you'll go head to head and that'll be really fun outside of, you know, PTO type stuff. Um, but both of you, great job this weekend. and for sure, like leslie, what what are you gonna what are you gonna do now? What's up?
2: Uh, so since the race, um, I have really been enjoying not exercising as much as I love it, having an active lifestyle, and I don't want it forever. I just know I was really ready for a break. um, and I knew that before the race, um, and I, and not necessarily in a negative way, just just realistic. And I have been. Uh, just hanging around and chilling, but also been productive, getting some like house organization projects done and, you know, pulling my life together with some things like working on insurance and, you know, all all the things that I just, you know, when I'm training and tired, I'm like, it just are on the to-do list forever. I'm actually getting those things done. So it's been nice so far. It's been a few days of like feeling lazy, but productive at the same time. And that's just what I wanted.
1: Yeah. And you've earned it. We all have. And this is the time to relish in all of that, because before you know it, it's over.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's my thoughts. Exactly. So I'm not going to be, I have a little bit of like, oh, I kind of feel like going out on a run, but I've been like, no, I don't.
1: Good. Good for you. And that's a good reminder. And it's a good note. Like you've got to be human and this is our chance to chisel it out and be human and not just, you know, in the big, you know, human Whatever, just deal with the problems that you've everyone else deals with instead of just going on a run,
2: <laughs> yeah. and and just the, yeah, the grind of the worrying about training. and you know, it's like that it's what we do, and that's great. It's just you need a break from it, and everyone would agree with that.
1: I'm not taking any breaks, so whatever. I, don't um, really like. I
2: mean, other than, I was just going to say, other than maybe Nick, I don't think you would maybe not need a break, but I hope you take one.
1: I will, but not now. Um, But we'll talk about that in our podcast. Uh, Tamara, <laughs> you're back home. Um, Are you traveling anywhere, doing anything? Fun? Yes. What's going I on? am
3: finally going on my honeymoon that is belated since May. Got married Yay. right before Chattanooga at the start of the season, and now we finally get to go on our honeymoon.
1: <laughs> what destination?
3: Um, South Africa um if not, yeah so we're not doing a lot of traveling around once we're there but we have been we were there in 2016 and we did a bit more of the like going on a safari and stuff like that this is like partly some time for us but partly an excuse to visit chris's extended family there his grandparents and aunts and cousins on his mom's side are all there and we're spending christmas uh with them so a lot mm-hmm. of our trip is is just at one of their beach properties there
1: oh one of them nice
3: (laughs) well no sorry they have one beach property they have like they seem to have between them many lovely places all over the country though so it's always fun to visit
1: oh good for you guys that's going to be awesome we will look forward to hopefully take a couple pictures we can see on socials because that's part of your job is to let all your fans know. I,
3: I'll take some photos, but I think my honeymoon needs to be mostly for Chris. I've been promising him sort of a break and some alone relaxation time for the entire post,
2: year. So <laughs> post trip, post trip, po- yeah, photo yeah, posting. a little
3: photo dump at the end of it, maybe.
1: Will <laughs> you be taking any running shoes, goggles, or anything like that?
3: Um, I will. Yes baby for the running shoes yes for the goggles I'm not going to do any serious training when I'm there but I, I just want to do a little bit of really easy kind of like recovery feel for the water stuff maybe yeah. every few days
1: and plus like after you've been doing this for many many years and you can't just turn it off it's not like you still need some personal space to like you know clear your mind and a lot of training is also therapeutic so I think just turning it off completely even harder especially a guy like me but jackson i know for sure can like literally do nothing but hunt or drink beer or whatever for two weeks
3: um yeah i think it's it's nice when exercise during the off season can become just like optional and more of um yeah sort of feel good like easy i'll do an hour if i feel like it if i don't feel like it i don't have to do it kind of exercise
1: yeah that's fair so any advice for our listeners, Tamara, and if they want to improve or be like you or what, what's the secret?
3: Just chipping away at it day by day, (laughs) finding good people to work with. I really love and trust my coaching staff right now. And so I feel really confident in their program and I just have to make sure I'm implementing it every day. So finding a good program you trust and then just getting it done each day
1: and not letting other things get in the way or second guessing or yeah yeah and learning I mean learning
3: learning about yourself as an athlete over time is really important so that you're not stressing if people are doing something different from you like you're finding what actually works for you
1: yeah everyone's that's what I've learned for sure moving forward is I I have to train a lot more specifically if I want to optimize my metabolic functions, my muscle adaptation. And for years, I've kind of had a lot of fun and jumped in with others and maybe curtailed some of what I really needed for what I thought I wanted. And that has to be a big lesson learned after my past two years. So I think knowing what you need and sticking to it is, is absolutely vital if you want this, the success. And yeah, food, yeah. And it and it takes
3: a while to learn. So it's it's okay if it like takes you a while to figure it out. I think.
1: Yeah. Um Leslie dropped off for a second, but she's coming back in just so okay. we, can, uh, we can say goodbye. But anything else? Um yeah, holidays?
3: Yeah. Leslie, stuff. do you have any advice for people?
1: <laughs> Leslie, we, we thought you just
3: left us.
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I had a technical issue. So sorry. Okay. So the advice on
1: for advice for like Lessons learned in in putting them into motion for next year. What is, what does that look like?
2: Oh, you know what? I do feel like I always am continually learning things um, from my experiences in this sport. I think the main thing I learned this year, I, you know, I, I had to deal with a lot of things that happened just kind of bad luck or you can't blame it all on bad luck. Probably something I did too. You know what I mean? Um, but just what I really learned is how dialed you have to be in all aspects of the sport at this point. And, and for me, like nutrition wise, I've in the past done a lot of, Oh, this has worked before, so this will be fine. And I'm really trying to start dial that dialing that in because with all the variables in this sport, you just have to try to like eliminate, you know, there's only so much you have control over. And so the things you can control or try to work on, you have to put that time in. And I, I would say, you know, that's one thing I've been thinking about. And then I would say another thing is just, you know, before this last race I did, you know, I did a couple of Thanksgiving things. I went to a football game and I'm all about being social and doing things and having fun and, and still having a life. But I think one I always, underestimate how much time it takes to dial in before these races, just mentally and logistically and with the travel and everything. And I think sometimes I create more stress for myself than I need. And that, I mean, that's like a very general statement, but I'm just learning that more and more. And that's something I I want to improve on next year. So.
1: Less emotion, more logic.
2: Yes. And that is always good in the sport for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, You haven't blended it. However, I, I agree with you I think for you and getting your swim group keeping you on point learning yeah. some good tips you're gonna be good uh, we all we not any every one of us on the team aside from mark um, could really use more swim work more swim work in some aspects so in some that's, totally. that's where we're all probably losing the most out of our day so I think gaining that extra minute Huge. So, for any triathlete out yeah. there,
3: well, and because even for the bike, like it matters for positioning on the bike. So yeah, it's yeah. like I, I feel like right now my bike looks a little bit like it's mostly what's letting me down. But I think that the swim is so important to get into a good spot to to make the work on the bike do more for you.
1: You looked That's really totally good on the bike on camera and the quinta for sure. You you looked the strongest and most comfortable. I'd seen you, at Tamara. So I think it's coming together next year. You'll lose even less, if not be able to fight with, um, the athletes who maybe have gone by a little faster before.
3: Yeah. Well, that, that's the plan. Chipping away, plan. away.
1: <laughs> In the meantime, but, uh, yeah. um, we'll, uh, just check in with you all. We'll hopefully have a women's only episode here soon. And well, maybe I'll just be here to make sure no one pushes the wrong button and cancels the whole show, <laughs> but uh, we'll do that stuff. We're going to, we've heard feedback. It's a little too broy sometimes so thank you for coming on and lightening the load of all the bros because we need some we need some other perspectives and we like it and you get to now give us the peace out are you happy with that
2: yeah are we doing a countdown
1: no it's more organic it's just like (laughs) all right and we're done and uh then we go peace
2: Peace out.
1: Got is to do flying through the sky in my parachute dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one man mission trying to see it through